0: Chronicles. We'll begin in 1 Chronicles chapter 10. While you're turning, uh, thinking of Brother Doyle Ashford has uh, made me remember I need to get his contact information. I don't have that handy. So if McCade has it or Dad has it, somebody don't let me get out of here without getting his contact information. He's really a blessing to our family. And uh, we love and appreciate him. I need to get in to touch with him about a couple things. Alright, 1 Chronicles chapter 10. 1 Chronicles chapter 10, verse 13. We preached a couple weeks ago about Saul after his fall. Now, I want to preach this morning on Saul and what precipitated or caused his fall. 1 Chronicles chapter 10, verse 13. The Bible says, So Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not. And also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it. Oh, I didn't that book Thank you. I was thinking about too many things. And inquired not of the Lord. Therefore he slew him and turned the kingdom unto David, the son of Jesse. Your heavenly Father, I pray that you'll come down and meet with us as we preach on Saul and the things that uh, <coughs> preceded his fall. And Lord, I pray that we would guard against many of these same things in our own lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alright, I want to preach this morning on a study of Saul in the time of his tragic turn. Now Saul made a tragic turn. He was the one chosen of God to be the king. Now, it was not God's idea for Israel to have a human king. And Samuel was... Sad that they insisted upon that. And the Lord said, they haven't rejected you, but they've rejected me. And once in a while, we're trying to witness to somebody, and we're trying to influence somebody, and we're trying to point them to the Lord, and we get our feelings hurt when they don't follow us, and they don't respect us, and they don't recognize the truth that we have for them. And it's only for their good. We're not, we're not trying to hurt anybody by getting them to follow the Lord, although although many people twist things and try to make it appear that way. But we're doing it for people's good, and sometimes they don't want anything to do with this. And most of the while, the Lord will have to remind you uh, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. And it's good for you to remember that and not take things so personally. It would do a lot of good for a lot of us to realize it isn't all about you. And you don't need to get your feelings hurt every time something doesn't exactly go your way. And Samuel, great Samuel, one of the absolute great heroes of the faith in the Old Testament, no doubt about it, Samuel is way up there. But even Samuel got grieving and the Lord had to rebuke even great Samuel and say, how long were you born for Saul saying, I rejected you? Hey, this thing is about God. And when God's chosen somebody, that's who we go with. And when he rejects somebody, we let him go. Because so it's God, not us. But nevertheless, Saul is the first king of Israel. And he's the first of the kings to start very good and fall. Now later, as we sometimes preach through the kings there in uh, Chronicles, and uh, we see that Amaziah did that. It says he did that which was right, but not with the perfect heart. And then Josiah did that which was right as long as the priest was with him. Hey, be careful, folks. Be sure you're doing right because the Lord Jesus Christ is leading you. Amen. 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 Now, I appreciate your loyalty and I appreciate your um, going along with what we're trying to do here at Victory Baptist Church, but God helped us never to think that it's what Bob Schofield wants. God help us to pull out a Bible and see that what we're doing, best we can tell, is going by word for word by what the Bible says. Uh Now, we're human, and we're going to get some details wrong. I'm sorry to say it, but we will. But let's make sure we're following it and not any human, whether it be the pastor or a prominent member or a, a great lady or whatever. God help us to be following his word. But Saul's fall is so complete. And it follows such a promising start that we have to inspect it a little closer and say, wait, well, what's going on here? You know what I've seen in my life? I've seen plenty of Bible believing Baptists have a real promising start and then just quit, and then just drop out, and then just go the other direction. And it's hit real close to home. You know what you do? You just keep going for help. Amen. Amen. Now, what traits caused Saul's fall? I'm going to look into that. The first thing I want to notice is that Saul did have a a promising background. Let's turn back to the parallel passage over to 1 Samuel chapter 9. It gives a little more uh, history, a few more details here. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1, the Bible says, Now there was a man of Benjamin, whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bekerath, the son of of Nephiah, a Benjamite a mighty man of power so saul came from this line he was blessed with a good family amen isn't it a blessing when you have a father who is a mighty man of power i have a goodly heritage i'm blessed with things you can't see i have a mother who knows how to pray i have a father who stands for the truth remember that song saul had that kind of a background Moses came from a real good background Isaac came from a real good background father Abraham was his dad Timothy came from a good background even though his father isn't mentioned prominently at all He had a grandmother and mother that loved the Lord Jesus you know what you do if you find yourself in a a situation that isn't ideal You do the best you can where you are That grandmother and that mother brought Timothy up and Paul said their faith is in you. Now yes, we always want the ideal situation. Sure. If we can have it, amen, let's take it. A father and a mother that love the Lord Jesus Christ and each other till death do us part, that's ideal. That's what you're shooting for. That is far and away statistically the best way to go. But you don't give up when everything is perfect. You, oh, you yeah. keep being faithful to God. Oh, yeah. well. So Saul has a promising background. Like so many others in the Word of God. 2 Timothy 1 5, Paul says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned, faith is in it. Isn't that interesting that he used that word? <laughs> you want something something being feigned, don't you think it's fake? There's plenty of fakery in churches. Isn't there? Mm-hmm. Plenty of people come in with a smile on their face and talking about Jesus, and that's about the last they think of him for the rest of the week, isn't it? Yeah. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. So he's blessed with a good family. I'll tell you something else though. He's blessed with good looks and a strong body. He's a lot like me here. You know, people come up to his shoulders about as tall as they got. That's like me, isn't it? (laughs) I guess not. But uh, because of him, he had presence. When he showed up with that stature, when he showed up, you felt something. It's a blessing when somebody has a little power behind them. It's a help. It's not absolutely necessary. God has used people that do not have that. But that is a nice advantage that could be used well if you choose to. So he has a right background. He has good looks and a strong body. He kind of looked like a king. You could see him being the king. Modern politicians, they have to be camera friendly, don't they? Amen. Well, until this last one, and they just sort of made that one up as they go. <laughs> but, but, for most of modern history, you had to be somewhat photogenic. You had to look good for a camera, and it sure helps if your leader looks the part and has that feel about it. Mm-hmm. So Saul had uh, had that going for him. Good family background, blessed with good looks and a strong body. Looked the part. Tell something else. He had a pretty good attitude. Uh, Verse 2, I don't think we read it, says he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly, and there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he from his shoulders and upward. He was higher than any of the people. Then after talking about how good he looked, verse 3 said, and the asses of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to Saul, his son, take now one of the servants with thee, and arise, go seek the asses he passed through Mount Ephraim and passed through the land of Shalisha but they found them not then they passed through the land of Shalem and there they were not and he passed through the land of the Benjamite but they found them not you know what Saul did he submitted to authority he's a grown man by this point and his father said we need you to do this and he went and did it there's something wrong when you got a chip on your shoulder and immediately at age 18 or just scared death somebody might still treat you like a kid <laughs> Amen. Somebody that's in the right mindset and heart attitude doesn't have a problem staying submissive if they're in their 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s. Now, you should not try to force it on someone who is an adult. Don't misunderstand. But there's something wrong when there's a chip on their shoulder wanting to prove it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, I don't see that here with Saul. I don't see Saul saying, Well, if you're not, Dad, I'm 22 now, or whatever age he was. You don't tell me what to do no more. He said, hey, Here's something needs done in the family. I'm happy to go do it. Ephesians chapter 6, the great New Testament verse on this says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment of promise. You can still honor a father and mother, even as an adult. You can disagree with some details and still be honored. Yeah. Yeah. Word of God, in fact, says honor all men. Yeah. It says giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. We'd do good if we would honor people better. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, standing for the truth, we have to take some difficult positions and we have to say some things that we normally wouldn't say. But let's don't use that as an excuse to dishonor people. I admit I've fallen into that son myself. Promising attitude—he not only had a promising background, he has a promising attitude. Submission to parents, then he has respect for the man of God. Look we'll at verse seven. First Samuel chapter nine, verse seven. Then said Saul to his servant, "But behold, if we go, what shall we bring them? In? For the bread is spent in our vessels, and there is not a present to bring." To the man of God. What have we? The man said, hey, we're not finding these donkeys your dad sent us after. Let's find the man of God and see if he can prophesy and tell us where these things are. Saul said, man, I don't have anything to give him. I wanted to honor the man of God. That's a good thing. Verse 10, then said Saul to his servant, well said, come, let us go. So they went into the city where the man of God was. You won't have respect or honor for the Lord and those who represent Him. I'm going to read to you from 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Hey, Saul's doing good, is he not? Has he not got some things in his background that give you some hope for him? 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. There's that word again. Especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the Scripture saith, "Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn." And the laborer is worthy of his reward. Against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. There ought to be some honor to the Lord and those that that represent Him in some ways. He did. He had respect to the man of God. Say something else, though. He had some humility. Here in the First Samuel chapter nine, look down in verse twenty-one. And Samuel talks to him, the Bible says, And Saul answered and said, Am not I, Benjamite, of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? He's humble. He didn't say, Well, you know, I am the tallest, best-looking one here, and my father is a man that's hard to be reckoned with. No wonder you're picking him. That was not his attitude at all, was it? Chapter 10, verse uh, 20. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was taken. When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Maitre was taken, and Saul the son of Kish was taken, and when they sought him, he could not be found. Here they're getting ready to anoint him king, crown him king, and they go to look for him, and he's hiding. And you know how many people at a time like this would have hired a hair stylist and a makeup artist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Got the most expensive clothes you could get anywhere and would have been all ready and had already practiced their speech and everything. Saul's running at night. Now Maybe he's being a little overly humble there but I'll tell you this. He is a proud. You know, These are promising attitudes. When somebody gets a big head in a leadership position it's not a good thing. Uh, furthermore he not only has a promising background and attitude he has a promising election or promising choosing how did they choose him did the people all get together and just vote for Saul because he was the best looking with that good background and everything no no he was chosen by God back in 1 Samuel chapter 9 verse 15 now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came saying tomorrow about this time I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines for I have looked upon my people because their cry is come unto me and when Samuel saw Saul the Lord said unto him behold the man whom I spake to thee of exclamation point the Lord is excited about it. there is an exclamation point here in our King James Bible when the Lord saw Saul. Isn't that something? This same shall reign over my people. God is the one that chose Revelation 17 These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords, King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. You know what you want to be? Chosen of God. You know how you get that? You stay faithful where you are. And the Lord chooses you to say, come up higher. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was chosen by God let me tell you something just because you're chosen by God doesn't mean you're ready to start you might be chosen by God but he still has some work he has to do there really ought to be a sign upon my heart don't judge me yet there's an unfinished part I'll be perfect just according to his plan fashioned by the masters hand he's got some work to do Dr. Ruckman used to drill it in us as young preacher boys. He'd say, listen, you may be called, but the calling is not the enabling. Just because you're called doesn't mean you are yet enabled. Don't go out there and take some, take some pastor that you're not ready for. The enabling very often comes later, usually comes later. So not only was Saul chosen by God, he was changed by God. The Lord got in there and did some work in him. 1 Samuel chapter 10, 10 verse 5, this is what's being told to Saul as he prepares. It says, after that, thou shalt come to the hill of God where is the garrison of the Philistines, and it shall come to pass when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery and a tabret and a pipe and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee and thou shalt prophesy with them and shalt be turned into another man let it be when these signs are come unto thee that thou do as occasion serve thee for God is with thee. now shalt go down before me to Gilgal and behold I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee and show thee what thou shalt do and it was so when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came thither to the hill, behold, the company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it came to pass when all that knew him before time saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets, then the people said one to another, What is this that is come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? He was not only chosen by God, he was changed by God. He became another man. Amen. When you get saved, you ought to become another man or woman. But even after you get saved, you ought to continually be changing into another man and another woman. As you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit of God and He takes fills you and takes control of you. He is changed by God. The Lord ought to change. You know how I know that this Christianity we have for the most part in our day is fake? It's too much like the world. Amen. Mm -hmm. God changes you. It's too pleasing to the flesh. The spirit and the flesh fight against each other. Your Christianity goes good in today's way of thinking, it's not a godly one. God changes people where the people that knew you before said, uh, what's happened to them? he also among the prophets they said about him let's see here Ezekiel 11 and I'll give them one heart and I'll put a new spirit within you and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and will give them a heart of flesh Ezekiel 18 cast away from you all your transgressions whereby you have transgressed and make you what a new heart and a new spirit for why will you die O house of Israel Ezekiel 36, a new heart will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you an heart of flesh. I know there's some differences in the specifics of how he does it in the Old Testament and the New Testament but in either place, God makes a change in you. Psalm 51, 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And sometimes after he's made that change, you have to go back and get it redone. Not when you get saved, don't don't misunderstand. That's a one-time thing. Sometimes you have to get back in fellowship with him, don't you? He had a promising background. He had a promising attitude. He had a promising choice, chosen by God, changed by God. But there's something that worries us. It is true that when he was looking for the man of God, the seer, the prophet, he comes right across him and Says, uh, would you show us where the seer's house is because we need to talk to him. And he was talking to the seer. Saul didn't even know him. Hmm. That was the first little sign. Something, something's up. He's not, not exactly where we wish he would be. He's not as close as he should be. Then uh, as he goes a little bit further into his uh, ministry, into his work, look at 1 Samuel chapter 13. 1st Samuel chapter 13 verse 5 Bible says and the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel thirty-six thousand chariots and six thousand horsemen and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude and they came up and pitched in McMash eastward from Beth-haven when the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait for the people were distressed then the people did hide themselves in caves and in thickets and in rocks and in High places and in pits. Some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead as for Saul. He was yet in Gilgal and all the people followed him trembling. Uh, When the Lord gives you a job to do, let me tell you what He gives you. He gives you tests. He says, All right, I'm going to have him surrounded by Philistines and the people start going to leave him and let's just watch how He does Christian, the next time you're in a difficult place, remember. The Lord wants to see if you'll be faithful. When Job was going through what he went through, what was going on up in heaven? The Lord and Lucifer were talking. When you are going through what you're going through, there are some people up there talking about how you're handling it. Stay faithful to God. Don't always look at everything from down here, and remember there are eternal spiritual purposes for what you're going through. Look at it like that. Verse 8, And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed, but Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. The Lord said, All right, let's have Samuel not get there just exactly right on time. You ever get in a place where you need something, and you're counting on it, and you're getting all urgent, and you're getting all nervous, and you're getting all worried, boy, I'm putting myself under conviction and when it doesn't show up right at the minute you think it should be there you're ready to get all reactive and do something before it needs done what does he do? And Saul said bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings and he offered the burnt offering and it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering behold Samuel came. You know what will happen if you get yourself in a nervous titty and rush? Don't ask me how I know. Samuel show sure up. Oh yeah. And if you'd have waited a few more minutes. Mm-hmm. If you'd have dug just a few more inches. If you'd have just stayed faithful for a little longer. As Lester Olaf used to sing. Hold on a little longer. Hold on a little stronger. The Lord is coming. But the problem is we get all hasty. Yes. And we get bitter and we get nervous and we get worried and we get full of anxiety and we get full of fear, and we don't trust that God has a plan. Yes. He did. Samuel came. And Saul went out to me and they might salute him. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, Uh, It's not the people you're serving, Saul. It's the Lord. And that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Bikmash Therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. Watch out for forcing things. Especially in the heat of a nervous, angry, <coughs> scared, frustrated, emotional moment. Mm-hmm. Boy, have I paid a price for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He had a disturbing lack of regard here. After a promising background and a promising attitude and a promising choice being chosen, he has a lack of regard for God's commandments. Look at verse 13 when samuel answers he says and samuel said to saul thou hast done foolishly thou hast not kept the commandment of the lord thy god which he commanded thee for now would the lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever what did he say thou hast not kept the commandment of the lord thy god which he commanded thee. you have a problem with god's commandment people when they start to get away from the lord let me tell you what they always have a problem with the rules they can't stand God's commandments and God's rules. And they build a whole theology on, oh, it's a relationship, it's not rules, it's not rules. And there's some truth to that. But it's also true that keeping people's rules is what keeps you in a good relationship with them. That's true too. Now, if you see Saul here going, Lord, don't worry. No, I didn't keep your silly rules, but I had the right relationship with you, I was sick of you. Samuel says the problem is you need to be commandment. And also for God's law in general. I'll read to you from a parallel passage in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Or from another passage (coughs) speaking of these things. Not the parallel passage, but it's a passage having to do with the king being presumptuous. Alright, uh, 2 Chronicles 26, verse 1. Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, to who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father, Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah after that the king slept with his fathers 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign and he reigned fifty and two years in Jerusalem his mother's name also was Jechaliah of Jerusalem and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah did well wait a minute that's not too good because Amaziah was the one that said did right but not with the perfect heart you he learned that from daddy oh father great responsibility on us. You're going to you're human. You're going to teach him some bad things. There's no escaping. It. But be sure you teach him Verse 5 and he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. So at first he learned from his dad and then he learned from Zechariah, the priest and as long as he had Zechariah around he sought God. Hey folks, don't base your Christianity on your favorite teacher, your pastor, your favorite evangelist, or anybody else. Base your Christianity on Jesus Christ and the King James Bible. Amen. Amen. Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Now look down at verse 15. It tells about all how great Uzziah is doing. Says, and he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal and his name spread far abroad for he was marvelously helped till he was strong verse 16 but when he was strong his heart was lifted up to his destruction for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense just like Saul offered the sacrifices Uzziah started burning the incense and Azariah the priest went in after him and with him four store priests of the Lord that were bowing men and they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him it appertaineth not unto thee Uzziah to burn incense unto the Lord but to the priests the sons of Aaron that are consecrated to burn incense go out of the sanctuary for thou hast trespassed Neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. While he was wroth with the priest, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord and from beside the incense altar. And Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprosy in his forehead, and they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out because the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death and dwelt in a several house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord, and Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. He started burning that incense, which it was not his job to do, and when the priest corrected him, he got so angry, he was wroth, and the madder he got, the more the leprosy spread till so everybody saw it. And they said, you better get out of here. You're eating up with leprosy. And he himself was in a hurry. out Now, he thought I was doing good. But he presumed, well, as good as I'm doing, I can just burn insects too, I guess. He just pulled his bridges up and started doing what he thought he would be right. Forced himself rather than just following what <coughs> the book said. Trust and obey. Saul, likewise, had a disturbing lack of regard for God's individual commandment and God's law in general. Then we read that he had a disturbing lack of reason. Back in 1 Samuel, look over at chapter 14. After a lack of regard, he headed to a lack of reason. Let me tell you what happens when you don't regard something, you don't honor something, you don't respect something like you should, but you don't repent. Now we all find ourselves once in a while overstepping.
1: Once in a while we
0: said something that was dishonoring to an authority figure and we shouldn't and we realize it and we go back and make it right. That's just you being human. Yeah. I'm not here to beat up anybody who has occasional slip-ups. We all do. Yeah. But it's a different thing when you don't repent. Yeah. It's a yeah. different thing when you go on still in your trespass. Mm-hmm. Then the Lord starts messing with your mind i don't know how many times y'all told us about these scholars correcting their bible and correcting their bible and he says the more they did it the more god messed with their minds and pretty soon you're doing things and saying things and believing things and going full-headed forward in some things that you know isn't right but you've hardened your heart to the point you can't think correctly mm-hmm. so saul went from a disturbing lack of regard to a disturbing lack of reason chapter 14 and first uh, to verse uh, 24 I think is where I'm looking for and uh, the people are distressed and in a hard time and Saul starts making rash decisions and illogical commands and things and sticking with them all hard-hearted and stubbornly and the Bible says in 1st Samuel 14 24 and the men of Israel were distressed that day for Saul had adjured the people saying cursed be the man that eateth any food until evening that I may be avenged of mine enemies, so none of the people tasted any food. Saul's getting just way overbearing and controlling. He says, we're not out here fighting for God's people. We're not out here fighting God's battles. These are my personal enemies, and I'm the king, and you better listen to me, and don't you eat one bite of food. Now, can you tell, imagine telling a bunch of soldiers not to eat food? You know what soldiers need? <laughs> they need some nutrition. I mean, I admire the soldiers that, that soldier on when it's not available. I sure tip my hat to them. God bless them. But if it's at all available, that'll help them fight better. That'll help them be yeah. more alert. That'll be more. That is true. The last thing you want to do is tell a bunch of soldiers not to eat, and especially not because I gotta be avenged on mine enemies, and I'm the king, and you do what I say. And you show that you're I'm in control, and he just he's not breathing. At all. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, good men are always reasonable. Whenever you see somebody that won't be reasonable, you know there's something wrong with that man. Even if it's just temporary, even if it's in a temporary fit of temper, he's, he's gone nuts. You might better watch temper men and women and boys and girls, because that's one that goes across the board. You will say and do things you will regret. Oh yeah it'll damage relationships it'll, it'll be a miracle if you get them back But he gives an irrational command here for sure second Thessalonians chapter 3 Paul when he's asking you to pray for him here's what he says And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for all men have not faith You know what you want to do? You want to be delivered from some unreasonable men, and that includes some Bible-believing Baptists, I know. And let's just be honest, most of us have been that way ourselves from time to time over the course of our lives, have we not? He gives that irrational command, and then he gives some irrational cruelty. Then in verse 27, as you know, his son, Jonathan, the great friend of David and a great warrior in his own right, wasn't even there when the command was given verse 27 it says 1st uh, Samuel 14 but Jonathan heard not when his father charged the people with the oath wherefore he put forth the end of the rod that was in his hand and dipped it in a honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth and his eyes were enlightened have you ever been in a place where you couldn't get water for a long time and then you got some you haven't had food for a long time and then you got something delicious I remember one time I had been dieting I hadn't had any sugar, hadn't had any sweets of any sort for a long time. Somebody had a candy dish where I was working at the time and I looked and there was a Hershey Kiss and a little Hershey, a uh, little Reese's peanut butter cup and I got one of each of those and I was busy working. I put them in my mouth and started working and all of a sudden the flavor of that chocolate and peanut butter hit me. I couldn't even concentrate. I hadn't had any sweets in a long time. I mean, my mind just went totally blank with ecstasy. <laughs> now, you know what's going on here with Jonathan? He hasn't had anything to eat, and he gets a little bit of that honey, that sweet honey that God made for us. I mean, the Hippocratic Oath, Hippocrates, somebody said his most prescribed thing was honey. We probably ought to be eating a little bit more honey than we do. But be that as it may, it's, it's good for you, and it's sweet, and it tastes good, and it was refreshing. And when he just got a little honey, whoa, how it refreshed him. It, his eyes were enlightened. And so, of course, he would. That's what all those four soldiers were going through. Where just a little taste of something would have been such a relief to them. And yet, look at Saul's reaction to that. 1 Samuel chapter 14, look over at verse 43. Then Saul said to Jonathan, Tell me what thou hast done. And Jonathan told him and said, I did but taste a little honey with the end of a rod that was in mine hand, and lo, I must die. And Saul answered, God do so and more also, for thou shalt surely die, Jonathan. And the people said unto Saul, Shall Jonathan die, who hath wrought this great salvation in Israel? God forbid, as the Lord liveth, there shall not one hair of his head fall to the ground, for he hath wrought with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan that he died not. So it was not only an irrational command, it's an irrational cruelty. When you even have somebody that wasn't even there to even hear the command, and all he did was get a little bit of honey, and he's the one that saved your whole stinking army, you don't say, yeah, I am going to kill you. I don't care if you're my son or who you are, because what I said goes. In you're getting irrational there. Man. Amen. And let me tell you something. Saul's not Saul's not a good man he definitely doesn't end up well there are some surprisingly good people who let themselves get under fit to temper and say and do things that they regret and have long time consequences. Mm-hmm. He has a disturbing lack of reason but most importantly he has a disturbing lack of repentance. First uh, Samuel chapter 15 1 Samuel chapter 15. Surely after all these things, the Lord got his attention and, and he said, wait, wait, wait. I didn't obey and wait just a few minutes for Samuel to show up. Then I had this irrational command that nobody could eat. Then I almost killed my own son over him getting a little honey when he hadn't even heard the command. Man, I better get a hold of myself. When God gives you some warnings, make it right and don't I mean, keep going. When God lets you by, I mean, thank God He didn't kill Jonathan. Thank God He didn't lose that battle. Thank God He didn't kill the one that God brought the great victory through. But he's still going on. Chapter fifteen, verse eleven. The Bible says the Lord speaking of the Saul after he wouldn't destroy all the Amalekites it says it repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king for he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments." and it grieved Samuel and he cried unto the Lord all night verse 22 Samuel said hath the Lord his great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord behold to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken in the fat of rains. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he, also hath, he hath also rejected thee from being king. You know what will happen when you get you in trouble when you get stubborn? You will not want to give in. You will not want to admit that you made a mistake. You will not want to say, all right, I see now going keep insisting and the Lord will say okay since you rejected my word I'm rejecting you you know how we don't mess with this King James Bible here we're not going to reject his word Amen. we're human we have flaws we have sins we have imperfections we have mistakes let me tell you one we do not have we do not think the Bible has any mistakes anywhere Amen. In we're not going to correct it with Hebrew. We're not going to correct it with Greek. We're not going to correct it with Aramaic. We're not going to correct it with our favorite fundamentalist scholar. We're not going to favor it with our best Bible-believing Baptist buddy. We're not going to correct it in any way. Amen. Now, I'm sorry we don't always live up to it, human frailty. But I'm not going to tell you it's wrong anywhere. Amen. I am not going to reject the word of the Lord. I do not want to be rejected. In any way, like Saul was, even in the New Testament version of David. Then in verse um, 24, he gives his little explanation, of course. And he says, And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. That sounds good. It looks like he's finally confessing in thy words, Because I fear the people and obey their voice. He still puts the blame on somebody else. Absolute inability to just take responsibility for you being wrong. Do you know how many people there are that even when they begin to confess say I'm sorry I'm sorry you're right I shouldn't have went along with that mean husband of mine. I shouldn't went along with that manipulating wife of mine. I shouldn't have done that but I had this mean mom and daddy I shouldn't have done that, but it's the day and age in which we live. I shouldn't have done that, but it's all over TV or the internet or the news. Listen, you without, if you didn't have that mom and daddy, and you didn't have that husband or wife, and you didn't have those kids, and if you weren't living in today's society, you'd still do wrong. (laughs) There is something wrong with you, and as long as you can't flat out confess your sins as being something wrong with you personally, you can't make it right. Amen. Learn at as early an age as possible personal responsibility. I am not denying that a mom and daddy certainly influence. I am not denying that a husband and a wife certainly influence. I'm not denying that society influences us, peer pressure influences us, and every other excuse you might come up with. They do, and thank God for the cases where we're blessed to have good influences in all those areas. Wow, what a blessing that is. But There are plenty of people that did not have those influences in a good way and still chose to serve God, and you and I can too. Amen. If we want to, we can. Saul doesn't make a clear confession there in verse 30 he says all right Samuel you got me I was wrong and he said, picks up in verse 30 and says then he said I have sinned yet honor me now I pray thee before the elders of my people and before Israel and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God uh-oh little truth starts to come out <laughs> I'm not interested in worshiping my God we're in worshiping your god but do it with me so all the people will see don't let your worship be only public worship have private worship when nobody else is there to see it then you'll know it's more sincere disturbing lack of repentance still disobeying the commandment we already read there in the Verse 22, and asking for forgiveness, but only for public honor. I'm worried about what everybody thought that All right, what have we seen today? We've seen Saul's tragic turn. In spite his promising background and promising attitude and promising election, he had a disturbing lack of regard, which turned into a disturbing lack of reason and continued into a disturbing lack of repentance. Maybe I'm speaking to somebody here, you're, you're a Bible believer, and you're a Baptist, and you certainly were saved, and you follow the Lord and believer in baptism, and you've done some, dropped some bad habits, and picked up some good ones, and there's some good things we can say about you, but look out, there'll be something that you'll regard lightly, there'll be, I don't know what it might be, it might be lack of respect for parents, it might be a lack of respect for the Word of God, it might <coughs> be, you're just. Take it lightly. It might be a lack of respect for a good Bible-believing local church. We'll just take these things too lightly. And that'll turn into a lack of reason. it turn into a lack of repentance. The Bible says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. with the spirit of meekness, considering myself, lest thou also be tempted. So let's be careful to keep our heart attitude and falling away. My son, keep thy heart with all diligence proud of it for the issues of life my son give me thine heart he says in Proverbs how much more when we study a great man with great promise in spite of your standing take heed lest you fall by disobedience by unreasonableness and by lack of repentance especially your heavenly father we thank you for this opportunity to read and study your word God I pray that you'll take these things and I pray that you'll help us to remember the next time we have a place when we start to disregard the importance